Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. I'm back from my European vacation. Let's talk Magic 2023-2024 NBA schedule. And this is also your FIBA World Cup preview, where we have five Magic players involved. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! It's Here's Turkaloo for the win. meeting is being recorded oh that's a new one okay we are recording this episode wednesday night august 23rd as zoom has a new female intro person so that was weird um i i kind of want to keep that in but i i I, i'll i'll probably edit her out and just include just my laughing and just surprise from it but um all right we're going to get into magic schedule stuff and uh and FIBA World Cup stuff because it's you know it's a lot and I, I don't want this to be over like an hour and a half two hours like but I, there's a lot of there's some exhibit 10 training camp signing news related to the magic uh we'll worry about we'll worry about that closer to media day like you got like Trevor and Queen Oni Mac McClune uh McClung um they're gonna be a training camp um the magic are still looking to fill their third two-way spot still but maybe also someone could get a crack at a 15th roster spot depending on you know how 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 chumo kk is looking but um i don't know penny any any quick thoughts on on training camps like these are some pretty big names for these three guys and we're probably going to get like a cut like two more signings um training camp signings but usually you don't get like names and talent this high. Like Queen was the G League MVP last year. Um, yeah. Have you seen um, on Amazon the G League documentary yet where they followed uh, like Gabe York and a couple other G League guys? I have not. I heard the Bill Simmons pod interview with Gabe York about, and apparently Gabe York's, I guess, is, is really good in this. I don't know. You can you can confirm or deny that in the documentary, but um, yeah. Well, he was good in it, but they talk about basically how he. He was basically behind uh, Travell and Queen in Indiana. So got oh. a little bit of Queen action in that documentary. Um, yeah, I mean, we're getting... I mean, also, that's like the nature of the fact that they're adding another two-way roster spot for every team this year. Um, but we're, we're, you know, accumulating guys that have played NBA minutes. So that's always uh, always nice. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's get into the NBA schedule stuff. So, uh, obviously, you weren't on the last pod because you you were sick. Unfortunately, obviously, you're on this one and you're healthy. Uh, I snuck in I a hope. solo one and then went on vacation to Europe. So, um, the NBA schedule released last week, and I'm not doing season predictions now as usual. I'm saving that for before the regular season. Um, I just want to focus on the schedule stuff. Um, there's no magic Christmas game again, this season magic have 15 back to backs, which is high. It's tied for the most. Um, 
the range for back-to-backs is between 13 and 15 for each NBA team. So the average, it averages out to about 14, but we're on the high end. Um, and it, this average, it's slightly up across the league uh, with back-to-backs because of the in-season tournament. Um, all right, what do we think of opening night going up against the Rockets at home to open the season, Penny? I mean, I think it's favorable. It's a uh, nice. We should win that. Yeah, get a win to to start off the campaign, and then uh, uh oh, after that. Yeah, we get a West Coast road trip that has never happened this soon right. ever in Magic history, where the second game of the season you're on a west coast road trip that's never happened you're, before. you're normally getting the december january west coast swing every year yeah you usually get one in that time frame and then you usually get the other one in march around there i think yeah um yeah. where that's not happening actually we we get our second west coast road trip out of the way and done by early january which is going to be bizarre um yeah, it's it's gosh, it's a weird schedule. Um, I, I like playing Houston uh, for the opener. Um, if like I know they've got you know Adoka as their new head coach, and they've signed guys like uh, Fred Van Vliet for a bunch of money and Dylan Brooks, but I still think we're going to be better than them um, overall. And I think I saw somebody posted this for the the spread is three and a half points. Like I think the magic should be favored by five and a half if I'm going to be nitpicky, but um, yeah. Uh, what are your viewpoints on strength of schedule? Because I saw a lot of tweets uh, while I was uh, in Greece and, and Paris uh, about strength of schedule, about how uh, the magic have a tough schedule. I think it is uh, early on in the season. And then it gets a lot easier after the all-star break. I don't believe in strength of schedule. Um, I just, you don't know how good a team is going to be until they actually play like John Schumann on NBA.com kind of did his own kind of strength of schedule kind of thing. And it's basically the complete opposite of what the typical strength of schedule formula is where I think the magic, the first six weeks of the schedule of the season supposedly have like the fourth easiest schedule based off of FanDuel over unders. And actually, I think I would value that more than strength of schedule actually but i don't know any viewpoints on that any any weird uh numbers it's, that that popped out to you that you wanted to share i mean the the back-to-backs obviously was was concerning but we're still a young team i guess other than joe Ingles. but i i mean i agree with you in terms of strength of schedule you don't really know who a team's going to be based on last year's performance necessarily um the the other problem is it does seem you know, from my eyes, and we talked about this off the pod, like one, one good game, one home opener to get off on the good foot and then straight into like a really tough stretch where I, it looks to be a tough stretch. And it's not like playoff teams are going to be load managing in the first month of the season too much. So you're probably going to get full strength opponents at that point. It'll be a really interesting test to see where the magic end up especially after that first West coast trip to, to start the year. Uh, and then on November 9th, uh, we're in Mexico city for our game against the Atlanta Hawks, which it's going to end up being one of our home games. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you view it, that's going to be a magic home game. Uh, I, I, I might be crazy, but I could swear to God that it was announced that this was an ESPN game when the press release came out for this game. But in the schedule release, we've been relegated to NBA TV, which is yeah. uh, bullshit. 
Um, now, do season ticket holders get 141 of their deposit back now that they have lost a home game to Mexico City? I'm going to guess no, because aren't the fast break fan passes like 700 bucks now? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty sure no one's tickets got cheaper. I'm sure they there might have even been an uptick, but you know, I I'm not a Magic season ticket holder, so I couldn't tell you. But I know the fast break passes are not as cheap as they used to be. That's for sure. Um, I also think we get screwed on rest during just all of November, but especially during the cup games yeah. or the in-season tournament games. Like two of our cup group stage games are during back-to-backs. Like we start off playing at Brooklyn November 14th for our first uh, in-season tournament game. And then the next night, November the 15th, is the second night of a back-to-back in Chicago. And then we stay in Chicago where on the 17th uh, we play the Bulls again. This time, this one would count as our second in-season tournament game. And then November 21st, uh, which should be a Tuesday, we host Toronto for our uh, our third uh, cup game. And then the next night, the 22nd, we host the, uh, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. Um, so... I mean, for Thanksgiving week, we're in Orlando, which is nice. Uh, you can't say that for the other holidays, really, but for uh, or the other big holidays, for the most part, like even from Halloween, we're we're in L.A. for for those two nights at the end of October. But um, well, it's not bad for the guys. No, I don't think so. But um, I don't know. Is 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 Halloween a, a huge holiday in in Los Angeles? There's probably some nice parties to go to. I would hope, but. Um, yeah, it's and then that fourth in season tournament game, uh, our final group stage game would be November twenty fourth, Black Friday, which uh, that is a two thirty p.m. tip off uh, on NBA TV at home against the Boston Celtics. Um, so we also, I mean, we finish cup group play before everyone else in our group. Like everyone else, I think finishes on like the twenty eighth. Uh, we finish on the twenty fourth, uh, which I'm not sure I like that. Um, we cram all four of our games into a 10 day period, which everyone else is like 11 days. Uh, some of them are like 18 to like three weeks. Uh, you know, it's, we cram all four of our in season tournament games into a 10 day period. And, um, and I mean, we're still playing a couple of regular season games in between that. So then, you know, other teams have their games more spread out and we don't. And I, I'm not sure I like that. Um, yeah. Any, any viewpoints on the in season tournament games, Penny? I mean, we, I mean, you know, it's nice to be, uh, on level playing field with people in your group and across the league, but first time going through it for everybody. So we'll see how the chips fall this year. Um, some more interesting schedule quirks that I think you're, you're going to bring to light of things like, especially the, consecutive games played against the same team, which the NBA seems to be doing more now to really try and cut down on some excessive travel. I yeah. Guess. I mean, I'll, I'll bring up a, like one, a couple of them. He can bring up more that I missed, but yeah, I mean, with the in-season tournament, look, we, we at minimum have to go three and one in the group to make the knockout stage. Like if we don't make the knockout stage, then we play regular season games. I think it's December 6th and the 8th that will, you know, it'll be determined who we face and where we play, but it's been pointed out that it's possible. We may face a team five times this season, depending on how the, depending on who's in the knockout stage of the tournament. And then 
who isn't and is actually having to play regular season games, like there's a chance the Magic have to play a team a fifth time this season, which is going to be weird. Hopefully they can avoid it, but I think someone's going to get stuck with that. So that's that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, you as you mentioned, we have two consecutive games in Boston again in December, <laughs> um, which – it worked out worked last out season. Well last year. Yeah. It worked out real well last season going <laughs> 2 and 0 somehow miraculously. Um I I wouldn't put money on us being able to pull that off again, but it'd be absolutely hilarious and I'm sure Eddie House isn't assuming he's still employed. I don't think Eddie House is going to be working those games. I I, I would I, yeah. I, I don't think he'll be working those games. Um they won't let him work those games if he's still on the payroll, but um I already mentioned our second and last West uh, road trip being during uh, New Year's is pretty new. Like usually around New Year's, we either stay in Orlando or we're pretty close, like somewhere in like DC or something, like or somewhere Eastern Conference, like Indiana or Cleveland or whatever. Like it's very rarely we're out west around on New Year's, but you know December thirty first through January seventeenth, it's eight of ten on the road, eight of those 10 games are on the road. So that's, that's a rough stretch uh, when you're in the dead, we're in just the heart of winter at that point. Um, And then the first three Miami heat matchups that we have are all on the front ends of back to backs, which that just does not seem fun. Um, I, I would rather not have any of those heat games be part of any back to back, but to have three of the four, it's, not ideal. I I mean, it helps that I guess it's on the front end. So, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a little weird. Um, our longest road trip of the season is a five game road trip. Um, plenty of young star opponents. You got January 29th at Dallas against Luka Doncic, January 31st at San Antonio against Victor Wembanyama, February 2nd. At Minnesota against Anthony Edwards, um, Jalen Suggs doesn't have to worry about protecting Mobamba in this game. So uh, hopefully, there's no uh, weird fights or suspensions that come from that Timberwolves game on the second February fourth. You're at Detroit against Cade Cunningham, and then you end that five game road trip February sixth at Miami for the fourth and final meeting, most likely of the season. And we're done with the Heat before the All Star break, which that also seems like a rarity. Like, yeah. Last season, we didn't play the the Heat until, like, for the first time until, like, January, I think. And then, I mean, in years past, there would always at least be one Heat game, I feel like, in March or April. But we're not getting that. Like, we're done with Miami February 6th, like, before the All-Star break. That's that's a bizarre one. Um, Yeah, I think it just goes to show. I think it goes to show the league is going away from divisional rivalries. whether they realize it or not, maybe maybe if somebody does an analysis on that, there's. I'm not a fan of having again three front end of back to back games against the Heat, and I don't like that. While we're ending a long road trip as well in Miami for the fourth meeting as well, that's not ideal. Like that could be schedule lossy potential there. Um, we have one nationally televised game, um, as opposed to Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs have eleven. Um, our nationally televised game is Tuesday, February 13th, which will be a home game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which will be on TNT. So I'm sure we're going to get uh, Candace Parker interviewing uh, new Magic GM, her brother, uh, Anthony Parker. We're going to get probably that type of segment, maybe. 
Uh, this is all assuming Chet Holmgren doesn't get hurt again and that the game doesn't get flexed out like uh, this past season where uh, I've never seen a game get flexed out that early. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe ever. I, Cause that was like the third. That week ended of the up season. being like a, a really good game too. It did. We lost, yeah. but it ended up being a good yeah. game uh, yeah. in Oklahoma city. So yeah. um, hopefully they'll stick this one around. Um, it would be funny if the thunder are just horrendous somehow. And even if like Chet and, SGA are playing like because the Thunder are so terrible they're gonna flex it out but I I, I don't know um yeah I mean it, it it's a prime flexing position because it's it's just before the All Star break and I just I, I still can't believe the Mexico City game is on NBA TV and not on ESPN like that's annoying yeah. um yeah like what's the point of making that trip if because I know I know the London game that we had um during Scott Skiles season. Like I know that was an NBA TV game, but that was like different hours too. I mean that that's that's five hours ahead of ahead of schedule, so you're playing that in the afternoon. And like I understand that not being a nationally televised game, but I mean Mexico City, you're on West Coast time. You know it's yeah make that a nationally televised game. I think it's a nine thirty p.m. tip. I think uh, yeah, so. Not a fan of that. Uh, were you surprised that we only got one game or were you pessimistically thinking it was going to at best be one game? No, I mean, I I agree with you that the, the I don't know, we have the reigning rookie of the year, right? Like, yeah, look, it, that it, doesn't it, warrant you two, like one, one first half, one second half. I, I, I don't like know. if the, if. If the Magic are hovering around playoff playing territory, like maybe we'll get flexed into more games down the line. But like we have the reigning rookie of the year. Like Paolo Banquero had the best rookie season since LeBron James, and that is not getting mentioned. And it's getting hidden now with Victor Victor Wimbenyama. But if that kid doesn't start out well, like we as Magic fans need to fucking let the national media know, like you should have celebrated this kid last year. And you didn't because yeah. you're looking ahead to this tall French guy. So, um, you know, on top of having Paolo, we have Franz Wagner, who uh, is pretty fucking good himself. And then we improved by 12 wins last season. And, you know, despite all that, we're still at the bottom as far as national TV games go. So, you know, the only thing that's going to fix this is winning. And so yeah. that's what you got to do is just win. But um we have three games in four nights all on the road coming out of the all-star break, which that is not great. Um, having a road trip out of the break, like usually you want to settle in because especially if you've got guys participating in all-star weekend activities, like it's nice for them to have like a home game or two to settle into. Um, and they're not going to get, cause I mean, you'd be practicing at the facility. Like you'd be there anyway. So instead it's, you got to waste like a travel day or two to get to, you know, your destination. And then, yeah, it's, I'm not a fan of having the road trip out of the, out of the break. Um, and then there's a season high eight game homestand for the magic from mid March through April 1st, which, I mean, that's going to be a massive stretch depending on how, how the season goes. Like, you know, I'm hearing the other magic pods kind of saying like, you got to just kind of, keep your head above water to start the year. But I, I'm telling you that schedule's not that bad. Like the road trip, the West coast road trip out of the gate is, is weird. But like, if you look at the schedule as a whole, it's, I don't think it's terrible. Um, it just, the, the mid season, the, the in season tournament kind of complicates things as well. Um, just November as a whole looks just 
jam packed and just really, really busy, but the schedule as a whole, I don't think looks that bad. So, uh, but look, man, that eight game home game homestand could be a big deal. I, the, we went on a big run, um, in, in to, to end the 2019 season and get into the playoffs. A, a big help to that was playing a lot of games at home. Um, so I don't like having a game homestands though, because it is really, it's getting harder and harder to hold a home court advantage. And it's like five games, six games, cool. Eight games. It's like, Oh man, that's, that's tough. And then, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on the homestand? Uh, as someone who genuinely enjoys basketball a lot, I, <laughs> it's hard to like get a casual fan to show up eight games that are especially any. Oh, that's the other thing. You're right. Yeah. Right. Like there's so many other entertainment options in the city and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's quirks, there's quirks every year. I don't think this is the best schedule we've ever had, but uh, March and April, hopefully you're, you know, you're finishing on a, on a strong kick kind of like we did the previous year. and, And hopefully you're in a position to, push for the play in and playoffs. Right. I mean, that's a, yeah. That late March homestands also yeah. that late March homestands also interesting. Cause that's during NCAA March madness and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, all right. And then yeah, to finish the season. Yeah. April 9th, you're at Houston. Hopefully Houston's tanking and out of the race by then, but who knows, maybe they'll be hovering around playing territory. Um, April 9th, second night of back-to-back at Milwaukee. So that's not the greatest plane ride going from Houston to Milwaukee. Um, April 12th, you're in Philly. We don't need to go to Philly again this season, Penny. I won't make I, I won't make you do that, I don't think. Um, and then April 14th, hey, we actually finish at home for a change. Uh, fan appreciation night. We get the Bucks again. So there's a chance to rattle off some wins there at the end if the Bucks and Sixers are resting folks or – you know, who knows what, but, um, yeah, like you said, like it's not a fun schedule. It's not a great schedule. Um, but you, there's opportunity at the end of it. Um, if you're traveling to Orlando to watch magic games, you're happy with your options. Like this is a pretty good schedule. Like it's like yeah. that eight game homestand. There's going to be, I bet you like a, a lot of our international fans are going to come over that March and April to, to, to Orlando to get in magic home. Perfect game. time. Yeah. Like perfect time, perfect weather, most likely. Maybe you'll get a little bit of rain, but I mean it's it's it shouldn't be too hot at that point. Like it should be still fine. Um but if you're an Orlando-based fan like we are wanting to do road trips, the schedule is awful. <laughs> like it's genuinely slim pickings. Like I've never it th- this is rough for from from a road trip perspective. Um like the problem, also the problem from my point of view is that I'm basically done with my vacation time or my paid time off for the calendar year by around Halloween. So it's tough to wedge a trip in there uh, if it's not during the weekend, you know, in, in November and December until, you know, the new year, you know, when everyone gets their new paid time off or vacation time, whatever. So um, we don't get, again, we don't get Knicks, Nets, uh, New York City back to back, which is just annoying because I want to visit both, and I'd rather just kill two birds with one stone and do it at the same time. Um, yeah, that one sucks. Our Los Angeles games are on a Monday and Tuesday at the end of October. Like that's never happened before in our franchise history, and it's rough from that point because 
I mean, usually you want to visit those in, you know, January, March, you, you know, it's, those are usually pretty decent times to head over there um, when the rest of the country is snowed in for the most part. Um, although, I mean, Los Angeles is getting snow now too. So there's climate change for you, but um, could we could do, or you could do the Chicago back to back in mid November. Penny, have you been to Chicago in November? Uh, not yet. I think I, I think September's the ballsiest I've been so far. Was it cold in September? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. All right, so then we're probably freezing our balls off in November. Then, um, you know, one of those Bulls games being a cup game, you know, or in season tournament game, like it's. You know, we got that Wednesday, November 15th, and then the in-season tournament game with the Bulls again in Chicago, Friday the 17th. I've never been to Chicago. I want to go, obviously. It feels like you and I are going to go together for a Cubs-related game, it seems like, just because Chicago in winter, not appealing to travel to or or walk around in, probably. But um, similar thing with Boston. I like Boston. I don't want to be there in mid-December, so that's out of the picture. Um, I do want to go to a Celtics game one day there, but it's it's yeah. not it's not happening in that position right now. I don't think um, we are at Phoenix Sunday, December thirty first. So uh, you got to deal with New Year's surcharge pricing there, which is pricing for flights from Orlando to Phoenix are already horrendous. Like it's it's honestly one of the worst priced routes you can you can go to you can utilize from an orlando perspective and for that game to be on new year's that's just that that's just not going to work out and i I want to visit phoenix and drive up to the grand canyon but that's gonna have to wait it looks like um tuesday january 2nd and then wednesday the third we're at golden state in sacramento again horrible weekday placement like I want to drive down to Big Sur one day, the Bigsby Bridge or whatnot. Like, but it's you know Tuesday, Wednesday. That's that's not fun. And I mean, it's it's the start of the year too. Like everyone's, you know, if you're working, like that first work week uh, for me is always slammed, and I'm sure it's mostly slammed for a lot of people when you're starting the new year and you got people coming back from vacation and stuff like that. Like that's that's not fun. So, um, any thoughts on any of that so far? Should I keep going? Uh, I mean. Keep going. It's 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 slim pickings. We we're not um, we're not making any trips this year, probably. Um, I want the magic to get in on this promotion now. Like, start fucking prepping it and get get it out to the public by next month. Like Friday, January twelfth, we're in Miami. It's an eight p.m. tip. There should be a Brightline promotion ticket because Brightline's going to start running. I, I think it's starting in September now in the next month. I think I, it's not right. They yep. haven't hourly departures. Yeah. They haven't hundred percent nailed the date on there, but like pack every bright line train from 3 PM on with the mad, you know, with magic fans for that game, because that bright line station is a very short walk away from Miami's arena. Um, you and I have not been to that arena since the Serge Ibaka game that we somehow won. And it might be time for another heat trip. And if we can get a decent uh, ticket deal, um, I would be up for taking the bright line down and coming back up with it. So uh, thoughts on that. Do they have a return bright line that leaves at 11 PM or 1030 or whatever to come back same I, night? I don't know, but I feel like that's one of those where the magic would be in 
cahoots with Brightline, be like, yeah. we're sending a, hundreds of fans down. Give us a couple yeah. trains to bring them back up. That's that's how you do that stuff. I, um, I agree with you. I think uh, especially for January, like that's not going to be a sellout for the Heat. I think everybody should uh, co-market that and everybody wins. Uh, any interest in visiting Oklahoma City ever, but particularly Saturday, January 13th? Not particularly. <laughs> Is there anything p- appealing to Oklahoma City if you don't care for ghosts? Because I, I don't, I'm not an OKC guy. I don't think. Like I've never. Are you, are you a history? Are you an American history guy? Modern history? I mean, the like bombing museum and, and stuff. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, that 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 would help. Um, yeah, that that. I, I don't know if it's a good museum. I would, you know, may, I'm sure it is, but um, good call on that. So, all right. You gave me you gave me something to think about <laughs> other than going to a Thunder Magic game. It's like I can go to a nice museum. So that's good. OK, um, Monday, January 29th, we're at Dallas. And then Wednesday, January 31st, we're at San Antonio. So, uh, again, it's a horrible weekday placement, but it's it's Luca and, and women Yama. I've never been to Texas. Uh, you have uh, sports are the only reason I would go to Texas. Um I I don't know. The winners in 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 Texas are kind of shaky, especially with their uh, awful power grid. Like that's that one. If it was in like March, I'd be I'd be up for it. But January, I I don't know. Uh, thoughts on 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 that? I have not been to Dallas, so I'd like to go. Uh, I don't know if we want to go. I mean, like midweek. I mean, I guess it's cheaper. I don't know. That's not at the top. I think of the that's. List. I think that's one of those where I'm working remote for a couple of those days. Like I'm not burning like a full three PTO days for that. I might burn two tops, but um, yeah. Uh, Friday, March eighth, we're in New York, New York City. We're at the Knicks. Uh, Friday, March fifteenth, we're in Toronto uh, against the Raptors. We've been to both cities. We like both cities. I think um, we haven't been in their arenas for basketball games. I don't believe Um, no clue how bad the weather would be then in March, but I I feel like climate change throws some curveballs. It could actually be either really amazing weather or you're in a snowstorm blizzard, but um, that's basically all I've got for options. Like I feel like our best bet is the bright line train down to Miami and then like a Knicks game, that Knicks game, March 8th on a Friday. Um, unless you got something else you want to throw at me, like maybe we'll make it to Vegas for the cup semifinals, or maybe we save it for playing or playoff games, but it, it's tough, man. It's rough. Am I missing something? I don't think so. It's not the best schedule this year. I think the easiest one is to turn uh, the Nick game into a three day New York weekend kind of deal. Uh, yeah. It's as you said, very slim pickings. Um, what did we do last year? Just Philadelphia? It was just Philly. Um, yeah. We, we haven't mean, we, had great, like... We last season was bad, too. Groups, Let's be honest. Like, yeah. Last yeah. season was bad. Like, I, we we were seriously talking about doing that early January uh, West Coast trip where it would have included, like, Sacramento and, and Golden State and stuff like that. But um, I had to back out because of business stuff. So, but... Um, Last season was better than this season. That's the sad part. And last season I thought was awful from a road trip perspective. Like, um, I think I, I I had us temporarily intrigued in like a Dallas, Oklahoma city, uh, double there, but that, 
just no. So uh, any final magic schedule stuff before we talk FIBA World Cup? I, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I hope everyone else is too to get the win-loss projection because, I mean, the wrinkle of the in-season tournament, I think, kind of throws everything off just a little bit for projecting out. Yeah, well, it won't be next episode, but it'll be in a in a future episode yeah. when we do that. But all right, FIBA World Cup. We've got five Magic players participating in this tourney that's starting in a couple days. It starts August 25th and ends September 10th uh, in the Philippines. It, it's taking place in the Philippines, Japan, Indonesia. Every game is on ESPN Plus or like the ESPN channel, family network, whatever the hell they want to call it. This FIBA World Cup, it's a 32-team field. By comparison, next year's Olympics is only 12 uh, 12 team field. So, um, there are seven Olympic qualifying spots on the line in this tournament, uh, in this FIBA world cup, like France already has a, their spot there because they're posting the Olympics next year. So that leaves two spots for the top, uh, European finishers, which you're excluding France. So this is where Germany, my Greeks, Georgia, that's, that's where you're trying to get in is you're trying to finish top two uh, in Europe to to automatically punch your ticket for the Olympics. You then get two spots from the Americas. So this should be where Team USA gets one. Um, if not, that, uh, that becomes a media circus. And then Canada, most likely the other, or maybe the other. Um, one spot from Asia. Uh, so, for example, Japan or China. Um, one spot from Africa. I'll throw South Sudan in as the example. One spot from Oceania, which will either be Australia or New Zealand. Likely, it's going to be the Aussies unless something insane happens this tournament. So it's not just about the World Cup trophy on the line. Um, you know, this is happening now every four years. Uh, for the teams that don't make the Olympics via this World Cup, the remaining four Olympic spots get determined next summer in four regional tournaments of six teams in each region. So the... You know, the problem with that is it starts in the middle of the NBA playoffs. So if you're a player on a deep NBA playoff run, you likely won't be able to represent your nation in a pre-Olympic qualifying tournament. So, you know, Greece and Giannis Adetokounmpo have been burned by something like this in the past. Um, you know, if you were paying attention to Twitter and saw a lot of hype about the Bahamas where DeAndre Ayton and uh, uh, Buddy Heald and uh, Eric Gordon, a dunking Aaron Gor uh, Eric Gordon, um, who looked like Aaron Gordon on, on that one dunk that was circling around hmm. Twitter. Um, they beat Argentina just to get into the pre-Olympic qualifying tournament, which doesn't sound like much, but it's a gigantic deal because the Bahamas have never done this ever in their history. So um, that's what that hula bula was about. That's separate. That's not part of this FIBA World Cup that we're talking about now. That starts this weekend. Um, let's talk to five Magic players a little bit before looking at the groups and pass and predictions. Uh even be, while being in, in Greece and in Paris, I was able to use via VPN uh, method to stream games. Penny, you said you saw some games, right? Um, USA, yeah. Germany, stuff like that. I Yeah, I did. And it's, you really like, especially Mo Wagner and, and him with the ankle issues being out last year uh, for the national team, like, significant gigantic impact in terms of what they do and, and what they want to accomplish. Yeah. Look, Mo Wagner got hurt the last practice of training camp before they started their, their FIBA, their FIBA games. And he missed Eurobasket and all that because of that. So 
I'm just happy he's involved and he gets to play with his brother and they're both having a blast. Like if you're keeping an eye on like either the German basketball federation's media uh, Twitter account or, uh, or, or FIBA's Twitter account, like they're having a blast. Um, and that's, that's awesome to see. Speaking of the Wagner brothers, let's talk about them first. So with Franz, I thought was great overall in the friendlies. He's Germany's best player, whether Dennis Schroeder realizes it or not, Franz is Germany's best player, which is, you know, pretty great how young he is. Like Franz, he's already had some good clutch moments and some bad clutch moments in these FIBA games so far, which is what you want your 21-year-old number one, number two option. I mean, he's number two option. Powell's number one option on the Magic, but that's what you want your 21-year-old number two option to experience is stuff like that. And the Germany was up 16 on the U.S., right, Penny? Did I get that right? And then the U.S. came back and won, but... The thing yeah. that people don't mention and or just neglect is that Germany uh, was on the second night of a back to back, whereas the U.S. had some rest. So um, if this uh, if they matched up and played again, that that could be a different result again. Oh, oh you know, if you think about it. So, but um, you know, I know Franz had some rough moments at the end of the U.S. game, but it, you know, some some of that was fatigue, some of that's just inexperience, and so he might do better in that situation again if you put him in it. So even in games where Franz didn't shoot well, he's he's making an impact somewhere. Like he's making huge impacts all over the place. He's going to average a lot of steals in this turn in his tourney. Like he might average 3 steals per game. Like he's he's everywhere. He's active in the passing lanes. Um Mo Wagner, he is uh he's finding a shot at the right time a little bit here. Like he's still coming off the bench because Gordy Herbert, their coach, he doesn't have a good center option uh, after Daniel Tice. And so I think he wants Mo kind of being the backup big. Um, even though Mo and Tice together in the front court with Franz at small forward, that works pretty well. And we might see more of that in the actual tournament. But I mean, even when he was missing shots, Mo's still very valuable on the floor, like screening, rebounding, energy, shit talking. Um, I think there was like five technical fouls in the Greece Germany game that I saw. Um, that was fun. Uh, I think Raftery was losing his mind at some of the calls, though, and I, I mean everyone was. There's, it's it's already been discussed in some manner, um, especially if you listen to like Brian Windhorst's podcast. But um, like FIBA refs are not the best refs over overseas. It's the Euroleague refs, but because FIBA has a very poor relationship with the Euroleague. Um, these FIBA refs just are not good, and you're going to see some refereeing mistakes that are probably going to impact a game or two here and there. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on. And they just had lost complete control of that Greece-Germany game, which there's no reason for that to get out of hand in a game that didn't even really matter or count. So, um, but yeah, even if he doesn't start, like Mo Wagner, he's probably going to close games. at, If not all games, certain games. It's just he and Franz are just generating a lot of offense when they're on the floor together. Uh, Magic assistant Brett Brielmeyer is again on the German national team bench, um, just like last year at Eurobasket where Germany won bronze as hosts. Um, and I think one of the Magic's physios uh, is there as well, I believe. But uh, any Wagner thoughts, uh, Penny, before uh, I move on to Paolo? I mean, it's always nice, uh, first of all, for Mo to get like the – extended visibility but Franz too again 
it's just another opportunity for all of the uh, more casual, well, how many casual fans are watching the FIBA World Cup? <laughs> um, yeah, you'd be surprised. But, but just to get that exposure of how crafty and good he is to maybe continue to shed that like underrated and flying under the radar label that he continues to have despite uh, you know, everyone that knows basketball knowing how good he is and how skilled he is across the board. I mean, think about how many Magic fans, though, watched Germany last year just because of Franz. And, like, yeah. they didn't do it in the past for, say, Hito for Turkey. Um, definitely not for Gortat in Poland. Um, not for Vooch for Montenegro. Maybe a little bit for Fournier in France. But, like, Franz Wagner, Germany, Eurobasket run was uh, was watched increasingly by more and more Magic fans. And what's crazy is most of them didn't get to see Mo Wagner just the year before do awesome things and carry Germany through a uh, Tokyo pre-Olympic -quali pre qualifying and then the actual Tokyo Olympics itself. So um, yeah, Mo's going to open some eyes to some magic fans and people are going to be like, wait, Mo can do that. Yeah, he can do that. So um, all right, let's get on to Paolo Bencaro. So Paolo has been playing a lot of center off the bench in uh, these team USA games and in practice footage that they release. Um, Paolo's basically being taught uh, Draymond Green's Golden State Warriors role in Steve Kerr's system. And that's also including not shooting the ball much, apparently. But um, look, Paolo in that first Vegas game for Puerto Rico, I thought he had like a top five performance in my eyes because of how he well he was moving the ball. He had like an awesome recovery block in that game. He was hustling and just better conditioned than most of his teammates at that time. And Kerr was just praising him a bunch in the huddle. Um Look, Grand Hill had to do a lot of recruiting to get Paolo on this team. And so with that was an extra incentive to adding him to this roster now. Um, he's also really fucking good in the rookie of the year. And Steve Kerr seems to value him a ton. And that's great. Um, I had my concerns with this U.S. team, though, because Puerto Rico should not have stuck around as well as they did in that game. Like the U.S. is iso ball could be a problem in this tournament like the game became a blowout for the u.s though when ball sharing happened and just that rock was moved around but the u.s have overall been better since that puerto rico game like they came back and beat germany after being down a lot they won in spain uh in, in malaga they should win the gold medal in this tournament but so can i would say seven other teams because team usa is in you know inexperienced love for the ISO ball game, um, failure to defend pick and rolls and just a bad shooting game can, can ruin it all. So it's, it's possible. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s foul trouble. Are you concerned as much as I would be if I'm a U.S. Uh, spectator? Uh, because those foul trouble issues in Memphis are going to be a problem in FIBA ball when you have one less foul, you know, to, to work with. Like it's, it's a 40 minute game. You have five fouls to work with. Yeah, I mean, he clearly, obviously, defensive player of the year, but clearly the best defensive player on the U.S. roster. And uh, with with that team being slapped together so fast as it is, as opposed to other countries, like you, the defensive anchors covering a lot of weaknesses and, and mistakes from switching and communication that might otherwise not be there for more seasoned countries. Um, that have had their their guys playing together for a longer period of time, for sure, right? Yeah. 
And look, if the U.S. coaching staff continues to favor Paolo as a center over Walker Kessler and Bobby Portis, then Paolo's going to get a lot of playing time in this tournament. Um, but we're going to see. Like Kerr and the coaches have been wavering a bit on kind of from what I saw uh, from uh, on Paolo's backup center minutes, backup center experimentation, kind of based off of the Spain and Germany games. Um, it's funny because there's like a huge Austin Reeves love fest, and it's like. Lakers fans win at everything when it comes to that. But um, look, Paolo, he's not much of a rebounder right now, which I don't think it's a big deal because of the way they have him defending bigs. Um, it shouldn't be expected for him to rack up a ton of boards. Uh, that's where the rest, you know, that's where kind of that gang rebound mentality needs to kick in a little bit more. But Paolo's getting better at rim protecting and screening, which is awesome. Um, the shooting and free throws will come. Since that first Puerto Rico game, Paolo, I've noticed, has been carrying that FIBA ball everywhere he goes, which I actually like. Um, it looks like Anthony Edwards is trying to be 2010 Kevin Durant. That's a lot of pressure for Edwards. Um, but, I mean, he's got a ton of talent so far. I mean, he's he's looked pretty good in these friendlies, but we'll see in the actual tournament games. Halliburton is insanely good, and he's going to be tough to keep off the floor. Like, I know they like starting Jalen Brunson, but, like, Halliburton's really freaking good, man, uh, which I knew, but like it's it's becoming ever more apparent. There could be a lot of roster turnover from this Team USA squad to next year's Olympic team. Um, Grand Hill has not minced words in that there's a there's a strong change. Like just because they're you're playing in this World Cup doesn't mean you're you've, you've you're guaranteed a spot in the Olympic team. So. Um, that's a little different from the Olympic program of the past, I feel like, or from the Team USA program of the past. But um, I've got a feeling that maybe like five of the 12 players on this World Cup roster make next year's Olympic team. And so that means Paolo's going to need to find a way to be a top five performer, which is possible. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't know. what Do you agree with me on that viewpoint, Penny, or you disagree? I mean, I think Paolo's going to have the whole NBA season to show the growth that would – get him an invite back for for the olympic roster um next year the the construction of the team is interesting and the roles that people are slotting into has been interesting obviously anthony edwards has been uh either anointed by the coaching staff or has really just declared himself as the alpha which uh you know it's going to be fun to watch this tournament for sure because there's as you as you mentioned like the ball can stick and the shot making is not Kevin Durant level, although it's still impressive. So um, still the favorites, right? But it's it's a lot closer than maybe people thought it would be um, after going through like the friendlies and stuff like that so far. Eric Spolster, I think today with a straight face, said that Anthony Edwards reminded him of prime Dwayne Wade. And I was like, man, they are hyping that kid up. God, so... Um... And the Magic head coach, Jamal Mosley, who coached the U.S. select team in Vegas, is in Manila right now with Team USA. He's he's photographed with Paolo in Manila. So Paolo's going to have a friendly face there. And just a great opportunity. I mean, this is this was the one big counterpoint of Paolo picking the U.S. Uh, over Italy was him being exposed to all these really, really good head coaches and these really, really good USA players. Like you've got Steve Kerr, 
Mark Few, I think. Uh, you've got Teron Liu. You've got Eric Spolstra. Like, you've got some insane coaching brain power. And, and that's not including, like, other guys behind the scenes. Like, you've got Team USA vets going to to these games and giving advice. Like, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Chris Paul. Like, stuff like that. So, like, it's... This was, like, the one big benefit for Paolo picking USA over Italy. My concern is going to be that the, sometime during the tournament... Paolo's not going to have a good center run and they're just not going to play him at any minutes, whether it be small forward, power forward or center because of like a bad center stint. And, and it's like, well, you've played for USA now, so you can't go to Italy now too bad. And that's, that's my big, like worst case scenario. But I also just need to remind myself that Paolo is really freaking good. Like I know he's 20 years old and he's young and all that, but like, he's really good. He brings size that, is lacking on this team USA team. Like, again, he's not a rebounder and he's not really a rim protector, even though he's blocked some nice shots so far. Um, it's just a good opportunity to, to learn a ton. And yeah, it's, I, it's, it's going to be a, a valuable experience one way or another. So uh, any final Paolo thoughts before I move on to Goga? I, I agree with you. The power of the coaching staff, and as we know uh, from 2008, like the power of being around all of the other guys and seeing their different routines and work ethic and stuff, like it's all a net positive. There's no negative, um, even compared to a starring role for, for Italy. Okay, Goga Bataze, who I would say is our least important of the five guys here that I'm going to talk about, but I mean, he's a magic player, and of course I'm going to talk about him, but uh, he did not play in the early Georgia friendlies. Uh, as I expected, Goga was the most difficult of the magic players to keep track of streaming and stats-wise, uh, but Goga's been Georgia's leading scorer in the most recent friendlies. He, like He's looking confident, and... That's half the battle with Goga, I felt like. Like, he lost all his confidence with the Pacers. And then once the Magic picked him up, like, you could see he was just – he was believing in himself a little bit better and, and more. And he's he's got something, man. Like, he outdueled Vooch and Mont- Montenegro in a game recently. And then, like, that, that kid – what is Goga, 23, 24? I think he's 24 now. Um, like, Goga's got – something to him and it'll be interesting to see how much how well he does in this FIBA tournament because he's gonna have to have a a good a really good Georgia tournament I feel like for for Georgia to to advance out of the first group stage and go beyond like he needs to be Georgia's first or at worst second best player and I mean he should be um and I'll just leave it at that I don't know I imagine you didn't see much Goga I've seen no Goga, and you can't make me watch. Fair enough. Uh, All right, last of the five here before we actually get into the group play and all that stuff. So Joe Ingles, uh, I retweeted this awesome clip yesterday from a basketball scout showing Joe Ingles just amazing passing and vision and touch in a recent friendly against France. And funny enough, all his teammates – None of the, none of those awesome passes like ended up being an assist because of either a foul occurring or a missed shot. But it just got me more excited than I probably should be for Joe Ingles being in a Magic jersey. Like 
He looks spry and very engaged, and I know he's way more familiar with that Aussie system and his countrymen than he will be with the Magic. But if any of that carries over to Orlando, then I think Joe's going to play more minutes than anyone predicted or thought. Um, you know, even at a soon to be thirty six years old, like he he look he looks good. Like he's he's ramping up, and it's it's going to be interesting to see because I mean he he started off slow from what I saw from either box scores or the little bit of stream games I did. I saw um, he's coming off Australia's bench, but you can see he's just starting to click at the right time. Just as the tourney's about to start, like his shot is starting to fall. He's playing like he's playing power forward or small forward in sort of like a two thousands Hito glue type role at times off that bench. And I'm just gonna be curious to see how many minutes he, Joe's going to average. Um, any Joe thoughts, Benny? I'm not as blown away as you, <laughs> but it's nice to see that he's, I mean, everything that you're seeing is exactly what you want him to bring to the table starting in October. So uh, the the hope is that not only on the, you know, obviously the, the veteran leadership and stuff, but as we've talked about time and time again, like when you're able to still do it on the floor, I think your voice carries a lot more weight. So uh, definitely some, some good clips, some good uh, stat lines and uh, hoping we get the best version of mid thirties, Joe Ingles in a couple months here in Orlando. All right. I'm going to put you in an uncomfortable position basically the rest of the way here now, because last year I did this stuff solo with Eurobasket, but now we're going to actually start talking about the group play itself and like some of these teams a little bit here. And um, I know you are not the biggest FIBA watcher. You be, you're becoming one. I'm making you one slowly, but surely. But um, I'm curious to see what type of feedback you give me on some of this stuff that we go through. Uh, and if you don't have any feedback, that's great. You know, I don't, you know, I definitely don't expect you to be as passionate about this stuff as I am, but all right, so group play. So the top two teams from each group move on to the second group stage. Um, so we're going to go in less than one week from 32 teams down to 16 teams. Games are being played in the Philippines, but also Okinawa, Japan, where I think North Korea today just sent a missile over over it into the Pacific. So because uh, I saw some media Twitter uh, tweet Twitter uh, reports about that about how everybody's phone lit up. So. Um, we have some magic players over there. And so I don't like seeing that, but, uh, and then also Jakarta, Indonesia, um, knockout stage games will all be in, uh, Manila, Philippines, but I think the teams who play their group stage games already in the Philippines are going to be at an advantage over the teams who don't, um, different arenas, different fan cultures, different climates, almost like Okinawa is like a beach community. I mean, it's a tiny Island, way way south of japan um where the weather's kind of similar to orlando in a way only i mean you get more of a you know of a of a ocean uh breeze and all that whereas i think the philippines is in like monsoon season it seems like like if you do a google weather search of manila like it's just constant rain so that's uh depressing and it's going to be interesting to see how uh how that's covered by media and players and stuff but um and then Jakarta, I mean, it's kind of similar in a way, I think. So, um, but yeah, I think for teams that are playing these their group stage games already in the Philippines, 
they're they're going to have a bit of an extra advantage, I think, as opposed to the teams that are in Okinawa or Jakarta. So, but um, and then also like the Filipino fans are just enormous basketball fans, um, which it should be on display in this tournament. But like Magic fans already know based off of the Kai Soto stuff. Like, M- Filipino fans love the NBA, and for them to have all these NBA, all this NBA talent and all this international basketball talent in their backyard is that's a, that's a massive deal for them. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that translates on TV, but I think it's going to translate really well. Um, these games will be played in the morning U S time because these cities, these countries are 12 to 13 hours ahead of us. So, um, group a, Angola, Dominican Republic, Philippines, Italy. Penny, did you mark any prediction stuff down for these? If not, no worries. You can either just roll with off the cuff or, or whatever. But did you get any predictions in there for yourself? I got a, yeah, I got a couple. I mean, the Group A is easy to me. So, you know, like I said, Angola, the DR, the Philippines, Italy. Of course, these games are being played in the Philippines. I don't think Angola has a chance in this group. Um, the Philippines, they have home court advantage and Jordan Clarkson and Magic Vegas Summer League or Kai Soto. But uh, I think Italy's going to win the group and the Dominican Republic's going to finish second. Um, Italy with Paolo Bancaro would have been fascinating, but they still have uh, guys like Fontecchio. Uh, Spisu, uh, Melly, a retiring Gigi Dutome. Uh, I think Nico Mannion's on there, and it's a decent supporting cast. Like their coach, Gianmarco Pozzeco, is just a gift to the media gods. Like that man is so full of passion and just loves basketball that it's he's gonna be a FIBA darling. Like he was already a Eurobasket darling last year. Like when they uh, when they upset Serbia, there's the clip where he jumps into Giannis Adetokumbo's arms, and it's just it's it's fucking hilarious um the dominican republican or the dominican republic are the wild card here like they're coached by nestor garcia uh who's who's respected and they they have carl anthony towns they have they have cat and he could be tourney mvp could cat when it's all said and done like he has that much influence on attorney that is missing a decent amount of nba stars due to injury and rest but i mean i'm gonna still say italy wins group a i but it's up to Cat. Like if he, if he goes crazy, like the DR could win the group. But I'm gonna say Italy first, uh, the DR second. You thoughts, Benny? Uh, I mean, Italy for sure. And I here's my little prediction. I think Nico Mannion ends up in the NBA again sooner rather than later. He's gotten a lot better since his stint with Golden State. But I'm gonna give the uh, home country advantage to the Philippines. Jordan Clarkson going off for crazy <laughs> amounts of scoring to finish second in the group. Okay, all right. They are, are gonna not... they're yeah. gonna break the attendance record. That's what I was reading. Uh, oh, like the biggest basketball uh, the the basketball stadium or arena or whatever is like a fifty thousand seat arena, and they're anticipating having. Uh, like more than thirty-five thousand or something. I don't know. There's attendance record. You can't you can't oh, go against that. that many rabid fans uh, for the Philippines. Right? Oh man, that's gonna be fun. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Group B, uh, also being played in the Philippines. Uh, South Sudan, Serbia, China, Puerto Rico. Serbia, even without Nikola Jokic, should cruise and win this group. Um, they still have Bogdan Bogdanovic. They've got 
Nikola Jovic. There's also a Stefan Jovic, I believe. Um, Militinov is like a EuroLeague uh, big-time name, and it's still a quality, decent Serbian cast. Um, World Cup first-timer, South Sudan, could be an insane story in this tournament. They're coached by Royal Ivy. Uh, Luel Deng is the GM. This nation did not exist a decade ago. Like, I I know I know he's a son now, but I wish Bol Bol was on this team. Like they have Winion Gabriel, they've they they could get out of this group. They they really could. Um, but th- there's then China, they're coached by Sasha Georgievic, who is a huge coaching name. Um, and that's a big deal for China. They've got slow mo Kyle Anderson uh, on the team because he's a uh, one eighth Chinese and they got him uh, his citizenship just before this tournament. So that's pretty cool. Um, there's some other familiar Chinese names on the roster, but mostly like Zhao Chi, the big uh, over seven footer that they got. Puerto Rico was very low on until guys like Tremont waters were causing the U S problems. And, uh, and that Vegas friendly, could Serbia get upset? Yes, I, I I won't rule it out. Um, because Asia FIBA tournaments just throw people off in general. You got time change. You got North Korea sending off nukes all over the place into the waters. Um, culture change, weird weather, monsoon weather. So, I'm gonna say Serbia finishes first. I'm gonna go with South Sudan second. Um, give me the storyline. I'll probably be wrong here. This is going to be an interesting group, even though there's no magic players in it. Uh, thoughts, Benny, on Group B? Again, Serbia, easy winner of the group, but you're forgetting one extra thing with Puerto Rico, and that's Carlos Arroyo's involvement. So uh, He is an assistant coach. That's right. It's Carlos yeah, Arroyo is an assistant coach. I have Puerto Rico uh, finishing second in Group B. That's not a bad shout because honestly, had I not seen Puerto Rico play against the U.S., I would have thought they'd finish last in this group. And I just, you're right. I mean, they could get out. You're 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 really right. And so, um, that makes in things interesting. All right, Group C, also in the Philippines, you have USA, Jordan, Greece, New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand is bad. Jordan is worse. This is the worst Greek national team in my adulthood. Um. This should be USA averaging 30-point wins and winning Group C. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much Paolo plays. This is a good chance to get a lot of center reps. Um, I've got finishing a Greece finishing second. Like It'll be a complete disaster if Greece doesn't finish second. I saw Greece play Slovenia and Athens on uh, August 4th, uh, where the great uh, Nick Gallus' uh, jersey was retired in the rafters of the uh, Olympic Stadium that is named after him. So that was... Uh, awesome and every man cried in there um that was that was dope so um but yeah greece won that slovenia game but they've had some concerning losses against serbia italy you can throw in germany and the u.s in there obviously like there's just not much talent on this team like there used to be um Giannis did a kumbo ruined uh, being out you know it ruined our metal hopes um he really really tried to, to to play like he wouldn't have took it to the wire if he didn't think he had a shot at playing and just he he's healing up for the NBA season. I don't blame him. And um, there are other good Greek players not playing. And I just wonder if head coach uh, Dimitris Atoulis, uh, there's like a coaching fatigue and toxicity going on with him. That's just settled into the program. And I wonder if a new coach is going to emerge after this tournament. So having said all that, Greece could find a way into the quarterfinals and I'm just 
hoping to somehow earn an Olympic spot, but um, cause that would just be an enormous, massive success if that happened for Greece. Um, the U S they play New Zealand Saturday, August 26th at eight 40 AM Eastern time. Um, I will be having my car service then. So I'll probably, uh, stream that either on my phone or my laptop, but that should not be an issue. That New Zealand game out of the gate. Um, we'll be interested to see if Kiwis travel up to, uh, up to the Philippines for that game. That would, that would be interesting. And then Greece, uh, the U S faces Greece Monday, August 28th, which is also at eight 40 AM. So these are friendly times. These are very friendly viewing times. Um, it's also awesome for me who gets to work from home uh, remotely. I can actually just have this on. Um, but that should be the U.S.'s toughest Group C game is this Greece game in the middle. And then the U.S. concludes Group C Wednesday, August 30th at 440 in the morning. So that's not a good, great time. Um, but it's against Jordan. I don't blame anyone if they just watch the highlights of this of that game. Um, U.S., should, again, should be 3-0 and uh, winning on average by 30 points. Thoughts on this Group C, Penny? Yeah, I can't say anything different, uh, even for fun or just to stoke your ire. So uh, U.S. and Greece advance there, right? No, All right, no Group D, also in the Philippines, uh, Egypt, Mexico, Montenegro, Lithuania. Mexico are bad, especially since Gustavo Ion retired. Uh, Egypt are worse. Montenegro has Vooch and Orlando Edgewater High School great Kendrick Perry. Um, Lithuania doesn't have Sabonis, but... They do have Valanchunas and former Magic Man Iggy Brezdakis. The winner of that August 29th group uh, finale game between Montenegro and Lithuania is going to win the group IMO. So I'm going to say Lithuania wins group D. Montenegro takes second. Penny, thoughts? Uh, I have to ride with Vuj for once. So I'm going to take Montenegro to win the group. And Lithuania always does great in competition. So There we go. Um, Group E, this is being played in Okinawa, Japan. Um, this is where Germany, Finland, Austin, or Austin, Jesus, Australia, and Japan. Uh, this is the group of death Germany, Finland, Australia, Japan, Group E. Um, and not because a North Korean nuke is going to hit them, hopefully, but um, Japan are hosting, but I don't see them advancing, even with Rui Hachimura and Yuta Watanabe. Um, but don't underestimate the power of home court, Finland. They have Lori Markinen, who was a revelation last year at Eurobasket, and that carried through with the Utah Jazz last season, as Magic fans fully are aware. We have three Magic players in this group, obviously. You have Joe Ingles with Australia and the Wagner brothers with Germany. Every Magic fan that followed Germany last summer at Eurobasket enjoyed watching Eurobasket. Um, I will say that this FIBA World Cup will have more blowouts and I and won't be as competitive as most of those Eurobasket games were. But I mean, once you get into the knockout that then it's really like it, it elevates immensely. But look, I went to Germany's semifinal loss against Spain and Berlin last year. Like it's, it's an amazing experience even with the host losing. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how Japan does with their, with their home fans behind them. But Australia opens group E against Finland on Friday, August 25th at 4 a.m. Eastern. So uh, I'm still recovering time change wise from my trip. So I may be up for that game, but uh, I don't expect you or others to be up at 4 a.m. for, for that game. But I mean, it's, even though I expect Australia to win, that's going to be a good game. I think Um, Australia, Finland, Germany begin their group E later that morning against host Japan. Uh, 
that Friday, August 25th at 8.10 in the morning. So Magic fans will be up at a decent hour at least to uh, to see Franz and Mo. Germany should win, but don't be surprised if Japan gets off to a good start. And again, it's just it's home court, man. You don't know how that's going to turn out. So um, and then the Ingalls Wagner Brothers showdown is happening Sunday, August 27th at 430 in the morning. I will definitely wake up early and see that live. I there's no doubt about it. I I'm very curious about this Germany Australia game. I want to see how and how often Ingles matches up with either Wagner brother, and then the winner of this game will most likely win the group in my eyes. Like I think I think Germany is the better team. The Aussies are missing a few guys, but they've still got Patty Mills, Josh Giddy. Who I mean, this Giddy could become a stud coming out of this tournament. Like he could. Um, Dante Exum, Ingles, Dyson Daniels, uh, Josh Green, Matisse Thibel, and Jack White. Like, that's a pretty good roster. Like, Germany, they've got fewer known names, but if you watch Eurobasket, you know how good Voigtman, Thiemann, Obst, Lowe, and Giffy can be. And they still have the Wagner brothers, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Daniel Tice, and Isak Bonga. Not having Weiler Babb or Maxi Kleber hurts, uh, but I think the Wagner brothers will vault Germany above the Aussies. I think Gordy Herbert is also better coach than uh, than than Australia's head coach. Both nations are coming off winning huge medals for their programs. Like Germany won bronze last year at Eurobasket, and then Australia got their first ever big FIBA medal, uh, which was bronze at the Tokyo Olympics two years ago. So. Again, most Magic fans, they did not see Mo Wagner play for Germany two years ago. He's globally underrated, and he may remind folks of that again. Like the, And then the loser of that Australia-Germany game, they're going to have some pressure going into that final Group E day. Um, Germany will be playing Finland Tuesday, August 29th at 3.30 a.m. That's brutal. I, I doubt I'll be up for that one, 3.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. Um, and then Australia... Versus the host Japan Tuesday August 29th at seven ten a.m. So that's that's a good hour to see Joe Ingles play. Um, I think Germany wins the group. Australia finished second. It'll be again interesting to see as well if uh, any Aussie fans travel to Okinawa. Penny thoughts on on group on, on this group group A. Um, I think Germany is the best non-U.S. team in the field, so I have them advancing. Um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Japan is gonna upset. Australia to get out of the group as well. Get the fuck out of here. Come here, on, man. Here's the really interesting wrinkle here. Wow. Uh, the the head coach of the Japan's national team coached the women's national team in the 2020 Olympics and led them to the silver medal. I, I did not know that. That's, yeah. Well, first off, that's awesome, by the way. How often does that happen where the guy of Never, the women's right? national that, team coaches the men's? Yeah, I think maybe in like soccer and like a little bit, but yeah, like this is. I think the closest thing is Richie Adubato leading the Magic to the first round of the playoffs, and then taking the New York Liberty to also the first round of the playoffs. Something that's... like that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. um, yeah. that's a cool stat. Uh, I I just don't see it happening for Japan, but this is the fun part of FIBA play. Like, there's going to be upsets. It always happens. There's always going to be a crazy upset. It never fails. You might be right. So we'll see how that goes. Um, all right. Group F, also in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, Slovenia, Cape Verde, Georgia, and Venezuela. All right. Slovenia, Luca, 
again, I saw him in person in Athens uh, play Greece on August the 4th. The fitness and weight loss thing, it's a real thing. It, it is a real thing. The man is in shape. Um, they don't have Goran Dragic. Zoran Dragic is still playing. I saw Vlatko Chanchar blow out his knee on a poster dunk, so that's a brutal loss. Um, they brought Mike Toby back for pick and rolls with Luca, so that's that's an upgrade for them. World Cup first-timers, Cape Verde. Uh, they are the smallest nation ever to play in a FIBA World Cup. That title previously belonged to Montenegro. Cape Verde relies fully on a seven-foot-three Real Madrid uh, beast of a center, Eddie Tavares, who I think was briefly an Atlanta Hawk, if I remember right. But it's um, it's a hell of an accomplishment that they're in this tourney. I don't see them progressing, but it's a hell of an accomplishment for them to be there. I have not seen Venezuela recently, but I don't expect them to advance to advance either. The door is open for Georgia. Um, you got Goga, Georgia. This is Georgia's first ever FIBA World Cup. They joined FIBA in 1992. Former Magic big man Zaza Pachulia carried that program forever, and it's on the rise. Um, they've got their Greek head coach, uh, Ilya Zuros. Um, he's really good, and he's got them playing well coming into this tourney. Um, Along with Goga, they've got a pretty good supporting cast, including their seven-foot captain, uh, Shermadini, who, whose age finally matches his appearance. Um, I feel like he's looked like he's 40 forever, um, and he's still only, I think, 34, So, but he's getting closer to there. And then former Buck, current San Antonio uh, Spurs, Sandro Mamakalashvili, like they, they also have a naturalized guard and Thad McFadden, like – Georgia could upset Slovenia and win this group. I'm not ruling that out. Like, I think Slovenia is going to win the group, but Goga is going to be a big reason why Georgia advances far in this tourney if that happens. And Georgia, they begin their group F play Saturday, August 26th at 4 a.m. US, U.S. time uh, against Cape Verde. So it's Goga versus Tavares, which that's going to be fascinating. That's that's a lot of beef in the paint, man. Um I don't know. I doubt I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. Saturday for that, but I, I'm a sicko. I might like it. It's also the the sleep time adjustment adjustment thing might make the decision up for me anyway. And then Georgia plays Slovenia, the big game, Monday, August 28th, 7.30 a.m. So you can definitely see that, Magic fans. And again, Georgia can beat Luka. And then Georgia, they conclude Group F play Wednesday, August 30th at 4 a.m. versus Venezuela. I won't be waking up early for that Venezuela game. Um, Penny, thoughts on Group F? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give Goga the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, Georgia's gonna get through. Uh, Georgia's gonna get through in second place, and then obviously, you know, Luca's gonna Luca magic. Uh, be interested to see how far they get in the tournament we'll talk about that later georgia or slovenia slovenia yeah i i do have this theory too that fiba desperately wants uh luca to go far because yep. he uh he is a ratings darling for them and he is being marketed as probably the top guy honestly in this tournament over any u.s player like he is being marketed heavily by fiba so um yeah i'll, I'll It'll be interesting to see with that. Group G, which will be in Jakarta, Indonesia. Iran, Spain, Ivory Coast, Brazil. Iran, they could be feisty. Um, I'm not expecting much from the Ivory Coast. 
Spain, they should win uh, this group easily, even with Ricky Rubio stepping away. Coach Sergio Scariolo is a legend. He still has Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Yule, the Hernan Gomez brothers, Usman Garuba, and just a lot of program experience. Um, they're the defending World Cup gold medalist from 2019, and they also won last year's Euro basket. Uh, it, it's it's just insane that they're still doing this, even without the Gasol brothers. Like it's it's crazy. So. Um, I think Brazil's going to finish second almost by default in this group with uh, Huertas yeah. and Felicio. Uh, any Group G thoughts, Benny? There's there's no way around it. Like you you talk about Iran, like the best they can hope for is uh, relying on a hobbled 38 year old Hamed Haddadi. Like it's his it, last tournament, no, I think. Yeah, there's no other way to go. It's it's Spain and Brazil. Uh, lastly, Group H, which is also in Jakarta, Indonesia. So you've got Canada, Latvia, Lebanon, and France. Uh, poor Lebanon is going to get slaughtered. Um, if Latvia still had Porzingis, this group could have been a group of deaf contender. But um, this is also Latvia's first World Cup appearance, surprisingly. And it's it's still an interesting team. And they've got Giannis Tima back. So um Canada and France are both gold medal candidates. Um, that Canada France game out of the gate Friday, August 25th at 9 30 AM uh, is going to determine who wins the group. Um, if you follow Germany, you saw them beat and lose to Canada in the friendlies. They have SGA Brooks, Barrett, Olenek, Powell, and so on. Like France still has Vincent Collet as their coach. They've got Gobert, Fournier, Nando Ricolo, Batum, who's going to be retiring after the 2024 Paris Olympics. Um, but no Victor Wembanyama's things and not being able to, to get Joel Embiid to play for them, who is a free agent in FIBA technically, because the U S he could play for the U S could technically play for Cameroon if he wanted to, I think too. And then uh, in France as well. So that could be interesting next summer, but um, I think Canada wins the group and I have France coming in second. What are your thoughts on this group, Penny? I, I have France winning the group and Canada coming in second. I just think the the experience of the French team, I think, trumps a little bit. Yeah, I it look, FIBA Fournier is always gonna be a thing, and he is dying to play awesome in this tournament so he can end up in a better situation than than he was with the Knicks. So um yeah, he if for nothing else, that alone is going to make him play with his hair on fire. Now, whether he's going to play amazing or not, we'll see. But like he Fournier is super motivated to kick ass in this tournament. And um, I am concerned about their depth, though, France. So that's why I give Canada the nod. But um, yeah, experience might 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 help out here big time. But anyway, from there. So those 16 teams that advance get put into a second group stage to determine who makes the quarterfinal knockout stage. So. The top two teams in Group A and Group B get put into Group I. The top two teams in Group C and Group D are put into Group J, and so on and so forth. So the first group stage win-loss records carry over, I believe, um, and then each team plays the two teams they didn't play uh, in the first group stage. So then you get the top two teams from each of these second uh, group stages. They make the final eight quarterfinal knockout spots. So... Um, Using who I think will get to the second group stage. Um, so 
this, you know, you and I differed on this. I'm just using my example, but yeah. um, for group I, it would be Italy, Dominican Republic, Serbia, South Sudan. So I would say Serbia and Italy get to the quarterfinals, but again, it's up to cat. He could carry the DR far, which would be, uh, that would be something for that nation. Absolutely. Any thoughts on group I stuff? No, I, I just don't, I don't have faith in cat. Do you? I mean, you didn't pick the Dominican Republic, but like, I mean, I, yeah. I haven't getting this far, but yeah, let's just get into yeah. uh, getting to the quarterfinals. I don't, but um, I like Cat. I like him, and I just I, I get that he's saying some really bad, stupid stuff, uh, basketball wise, over the past few years. But also, the guy's lost so many members of his family to COVID. Like I feel like we yeah. as a basketball society just forgot that all of a sudden, and. The man's been through a shit ton of mental trauma because of it, whether he recognizes that or not, or the people around him recognizes that or not. Like I'm willing to give him a pass on any of that. Like he's a good dude. He's a great player. He is an elite basketball player. And if the magic didn't have Wendell Carter jr. Like I, I would love to have him on our team, but um, I, he, he could, he could do some good stuff for this, for in this tournament, man. Like I said, I, if I, if you have like a dollar, throw it on cat to win tournament MVP. Like you probably get a good return on that. Like I, he, he could be amazing in this tournament or, you know, if you don't believe in, in him or if you see like his NBA inconsistency, that could be what plays out in this FIBA tournament, you know, for him. And they just kind of, you know, they don't make the quarterfinals, but um, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that before I get to group J? No, let's do J. So J would be USA, Greece, Lithuania, Montenegro, which um, I think that's it. chalk for both of us, right? <laughs> I hope so. So we would see the U.S. play Lithuania and Montenegro each. We'd potentially see Paolo going up against Valanchunas and Vooch at times, which that's uh, that's a little interesting. Um, rebounding is a U.S. problem. Team USA should beat both of those teams, but I can see Valanciunas or Vooch snagging 20-plus rebound games, and if an upset does occur, and even if it doesn't, it still might happen, but um, screw it. I'll say Greece joins the U.S. in the quarterfinals. Like I think Greece can beat Lithuania and Montenegro, but size and rebounding are a problem for this Greek side as well. Um, my Greek homerism is probably peeking through in here, but any group J thoughts, you think the U S uh, might, uh, might pick up a loss here. Even if they pick up a loss here, they, they still should make the quarterfinal, but um, yeah. Any thoughts? I no, I think they're rolling through and I, I, I don't have the Greek homerism, but I'll let you, I'll let it slide. <laughs> You're too kind. All right. Group K would be Germany, Australia, Slovenia, Georgia. This is a magic party right here, man. You got four magic guys here, potentially. So Georgia would be facing Germany and Australia each. Um, Germany would face Slovenia and Georgia, and Australia would also face Slovenia and Georgia. So uh, these games could get chippy. Um, Luca is the X factor here in this situation. Like, I just... I just don't think that Slovenia team has enough around him. Um, this is nowhere near like the Eurobasket 2017 team at all. Like no, no Goran Dragic. Like there's, 
just the the team is just nowhere near as good this time. Um, there's no Anthony Randolph like that. <laughs> like Anthony Randolph was huge in 2017. Like to not have him now, like that's that's a blow. Um, you know, this combined with any Mavericks frustration in the upcoming season might have Luca itching for a trade demand soon. So keep your fingers crossed. Maybe Magic. I don't know. We'll see. But um. I think Germany and Australia advanced to the quarterfinals in this instance. And so Slovenia and Georgia would not advance. Um, you know, this is tricky once you get to here, because then there's a lot of permutations and, 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 and whatnot. But um, I don't know. You think, you think Luke is dragging Slovenia into the quarterfinals? Yeah. And I, I, I just have a gut feeling. I'm sure I'll be way wrong, but I, I see Australia getting upset. As I said earlier, like I, there's something there that's not clicking maybe because they, they, cut Delavadova. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think Germany and Slovenia is kind of who I have my eyes on moving forward. I read something crazy that Delavadova didn't get an, a training camp invite to Australia, and he showed up anyway and still and, ended up on the team briefly. So, um, yeah, I don't know how that worked out, but uh, I... Yeah, I mean, when you're a hustle guy and you're, you know, eight, eight, and you're aging and you picked up all those injuries, like, it's... Yeah when it, when it hits you, like it's tough to overcome and just that's, that's it for Delhi. Um, group L. So this would be the last one here of this second group stage, I believe. Um, it's Spain, Brazil, Canada, France, a really good team is not going to make the quarterfinals out of these guys. Um, the FIBA community was not happy with me when I said France wasn't a medal contender. I'm going to plant my flag here and say Canada and Spain move on to the quarterfinals and France mm -hmm. does not get here. Um, thoughts. I I'm still for this particular competition. I'm still leaning experience. So France and Spain to me, I said Canada's on the rise, obviously, Ooh. but I, I don't think I, they're not there yet. I don't think Ooh, Canada, Australia upsets. Whoa, that's man. Oh man. There's going to be, there's there one way or another, there's going to be upsets. Like it's, yeah. it's going to happen. So this, whether it happens early in the tournament or a bit later, like it's going to happen. So that's, that's what I love about this. Um, from here, it's tough to speculate specific quarterfinal matchups. Cause again, there's just a lot that can happen, but I believe this is where we would see either the U S take on Serbia, U S versus Italy or U S versus the Dominican Republic. If cat goes nuts, I think it's going to be USA, Italy, which then would leave, let's say, Serbia versus Greece. If Greece make it this far, I think we beat the Serbians and punch our Olympic ticket by getting to this World Cup semifinal, which that would just be insane. But again, this is my homerism kicking in. Again, this is the worst Greek team in my adulthood, and yet they could make the World Cup semifinal, which would be insane. But um, Penny, could you imagine if it's USA, Italy? what Paolo would be thinking. And then could you imagine what the reactions would be if Italy pulled off a miraculous upset with Paolo on team USA? Like, I don't see it happening, but this, this would be insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine that he would rethink his choice at that point, but I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening either. I, I don't either, but like, it's a possibility. That's, that's the fun part about this. Um, yeah, from a magic psychological perspective, I want to avoid this at all costs because I got like I I don't I don't want Paolo taking a psychological hit like that in his at twenty years old. So, um, 
Other quarterfinals I project are Germany versus Spain and Australia versus Canada, which you have both Australia and Canada out at this point. So um, Germany, Spain as a quarterfinal would be a rematch of the Eurobasket semifinal I was at last year. Just talk about just a revenge redemption opportunity from a Germany perspective. Like I, I think Germany would beat Spain. And in this instance, I, I would have Australia finding a way to beat Canada. I have a lot of Aussie faith and – I think also this being taking place over in Asia, which is you know, which is very close to Australian time zone. Um, I think that plays a factor. And at that point, I would expect a decent amount of Australian fan presence in Manila at that point. Um I won't speculate about semifinals. I think we're gonna end up with a USA Germany final. Funny enough, literally today, uh August twenty third, FIBA updated their FIBA rankings. Uh to to reflect how they see things just before this FIBA World Cup takes place, and Germany moved up, I think, four spots to second. And as you said earlier, you think that Germany is the uh, best team outside of the United States, and FIBA agrees with you. I think I agree with you, and I think we're going to get a USA Germany final. Um, I'm really tempted to predict the upset, but I just think Kerr, Spolstra, Teron Liu, like they even though this USA team is inexperienced, like they're focused and it's, they've got them playing a lot better than they were uh, just a few weeks ago. And I just think it's too much talent and depth at the end of the day. Uh, US are going to get gold. Germany would become officially the second best team in the world. And you know what, getting uh, a silver medal at the, uh, at the FIBA world cup, that would be a big deal for, uh, for Germany. And this would be Germany's, program on the rise officially since uh Dirk Nowitzki was was playing for them um final thoughts going into this tourney Penny um there yeah, are a lot of NBA guys missing but there's a lot of talent and cool storylines we're taking different roads but I I have the same outcome I think um you know the it's not a seamless U.S. roster construction but I think they'll be able to withstand those patches and stretches where they're you know, the ball's sticking and, and maybe they're not as cohesive defensively as they should be to to still capture the gold over over Germany. Um, definitely a lot of fun storylines. And really, like, there haven't been this many magic storylines ever. Ever, ever. Um, so there's a lot of options to get a lot of uh, cool basketball entertainment here. Um august september that you don't normally have the opportunity to to take in so looking forward to all of the basketball consumption that we get over the the next little stretch here i mean if you're a sports sicko like you get to watch international top-notch basketball in the morning and then because we're entering football season now, like you get to watch football in the afternoon and evenings, really like that's great parlay opportunities on the, on the horizon is what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. If, if, if you gamble, this is, uh, yeah, this is your time to shine. Um, real quick, who averages more points per game for the U S uh, Paolo or Austin Reeves? Oh God. (laughs) I, I mean, it's going to be Austin Reeves, but, you know. I think it's going to be Paolo. I think Paolo is going to end up uh, having a big scoring game here and there. Um, I think it's going to somehow happen. I, yeah, I think he's, I think 
I think one of the really encouraging things too with these FIBA games is Paolo is like a bowling ball sometimes, just good. Like he is not shying from contact and he's going to get rewarded for it, I feel like. So um, I'm going to go with Paolo on that. So, and then lastly, I know you didn't listen to it yet, Penny, but everyone should listen to the Jameer Nelson uh, Knuckleheads podcast episode. It's really damn good. Like Jameer talks about a lot of things. Um, magic related like he talks about the 2009 NBA finals playing decision um his draft night and process how otis smith was trying to trade up for him or just trade for him in general um defending dwight howard and his nba top 75 snubbing uh or well defending dwight howard and how he was snubbed out of the nba top 75 i should clarify crediting plastic man stacy augman on his early magic leadership i would not i did not expect that um the Chauncey Billups Detroit battles, keto stories, Stan Van Gundy stories, the Richard Lewis recruitment, contract and conversations. It's really freaking good. I think it's an hour and a half. Um, and yeah. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? That's all I got for this one, Penny. This has been long enough. I think you've said it. Quentin does a good job on that. Quentin Richardson um, does a really good, obviously Darius Miles too, but he's they've, they got a good thing going with the knuckleheads pod. I think we've said it all. And it's been a fun and enjoyable time. Yeah. The next pod we'll do, whether you want to join in or not, I'll, you know, we'll do one after this first group stage just to kind of get a, get a foothold and summary of how, how these five magic players are doing, but that's going to do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time, subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments, all help this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's, and I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.